This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, March 31st. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Matt Hoysh. In today's headlines, Telluride Elementary searches for a new principal. County approves West End exploratory drilling. A day in the life of a miner with Finton Cole. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, on Wednesday, lifelong Telluride local Darcy Gordon was found dead in her home by a friend. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, she had not been seen for a few days, and family and friends became worried. She was 43 years old. The case is under investigation. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. Gordon is survived by her brother, Jason, her sister, Karina, her father, Bill, and her mother, Ginny. The Telluride Elementary School is one step closer to having a new principal. Scattered around the school on Wednesday, three candidates vying for the position met with community members and families. Kelly Teitelbaum-Wade currently works as an assistant principal on the Front Range. She's worked in elementary education her entire career and is passionate about the age. I love how they're always willing to try again. I really like their resilience. It's not that they'll be one and done. And I also really like how honest elementary school kids are. They will always tell you exactly what's going on, which I appreciate. And I am very honest with them. I'll, of course, use child-appropriate language for whatever question they ask me, but I'll always give them whatever honest answer they're looking for because I want them to see adults as people who will tell kids the truth. When it comes to leading an elementary school, Teitelbaum Wade says building relationships with family, staff, and students is the most important piece. Another thing that I think is really important about elementary school is developing the whole child, who they are as people, really creating lifelong learners. So making sure that they leave Telluride Elementary for Telluride Intermediate as good people who know how to care about others and listen and learn from other people as well. Teitelbaum Wade holds a master's degree from CU Boulder. Outside of work, she notes she and her husband enjoy cycling, skiing, backpacking, running, and rafting. Mike Cassidy works in the Ridgeway School District as both a teacher and administrator. He started his career in adult education, but says he was quickly drawn to elementary. Kids are, are real. They're, they're the most authentic people you'll ever interact with. And um, my first teaching experiences were with grown-ups, and I really enjoyed it. And grown-ups come from all kinds of different places to, to learn and come back to learning. But um, I just, I love to laugh with children. I love working with teachers. And, um, and teachers that work with young children are often just the most incredible, special people on earth. So it's really a win-win being around little kids and people that work with little kids. He points to a sense of humor as an important piece of leading an elementary school. There should be a lot of laughter in schools and in classrooms. Um, but being a family man, I've learned a lot also about a really important skill that's uh, important for school leaders is, is being a really authentic, good listener. Um, so it's, it's really helped me grow in my family, but also as a school leader, being able to listen and get out of the way for voices that really need to be heard Um, because they're often the most important ones, and mine is often the least important. Cassidy holds a master's in educational leadership and policy studies from the University of Northern Colorado. He lives in Ridgeway with his wife and two children. 
Finally, Kelly Trinan is an elementary school principal in Indiana, but her daughter, son-in-law, and grandchild moved to Telluride last year. And I always said to my, my daughter, jokingly, we said, if there's ever a job that opens up, I'll apply for it to get closer to family. And there was one that opened up and she sent me the link and we thought, you know, let's try it. Let's see what see what comes of it. She says working in elementary education is a no-brainer. If kids can make you smile, you need to keep doing it. And so I'm not ready to to quit yet and keep, I just want to keep moving on and I just enjoy working with kids and staff and parents and education is a good gig. She says in the job, her first step would be to get to know the community. Because I do think community needs to work with the schools, um, get to know the parents, really understand what Telluride Elementary School already does. Um, I'm not here to come in with, even though I've had a lot of experiences, it's really to understand what they're doing here with, with their students, with curriculum, and then as a leader, support them in what they do. The Telluride School District is continuing to hold interviews this week. The School Board of Education plans to make a final decision in the coming weeks. San Miguel County has granted conditional approval for two exploratory drilling projects on the West End. The first is a project to search for uranium in the northwest part of the county on Bureau of Land Management land. Pretty remote out there. The nearest resident parcel is, oh, I think it was 3,000 feet away, and the nearest residential structure is over two or three miles away, so it's quite remote. That's County Senior Planner Troy Hengen briefing the Board of County Commissioners at their meeting this week. The exploration will take place from May 15th to September 30th, but the applicant, Thor Mining, anticipates it will only need four weeks in that frame to complete the drilling. Uh, the work schedule will be five days a week, Monday through Friday, for 10 hours a day, and those will be in the daylight hours. Nicole Galloway-Warland is with the project and adds the drilling will require a few thousand gallons of water, primarily for dust suppression. And that will be sourced either from Natarita or from Norwood, as will the personnel be um, accommodated there. Reclamation, Galloway-Warland adds, will happen at the completion of each drill hole. We then go back and do an overview of the whole program. We then come back regularly, so whether that be quarterly, and for us, reclamation work is not complete until all parties are satisfied. Thor has also pledged $200,000 to support local environment and consultation groups, and Galloway offered an additional $50,000 bond to the county, which the commissioners accepted. During public comment, Jennifer Thurston, executive director of the Information Network for Responsible Mining, voiced concern about the impact of past mining in the county and the potential for this exploration to lead to more mining in the future. I think to see uranium production return um, would be a really unfortunate future for the area in general. The second project discussed at this week's meeting is exploratory drilling for copper in the Klondike Basin. The proposed operations will run from May 1st to September 30th, with drilling occurring 24 hours a day for up to three years. Which is a more restricted period than that required in our land use code. That's County Senior Planner John Hubner speaking to the BOCC at this week's meeting. The company, Tarsus Resources, estimates up to 150,000 gallons of water will be needed in the first year. While this proposal is also just for exploratory drilling, Commissioner Hillary Cooper stresses that she's also thinking about potential larger implications down the road. If copper or other rare earth minerals are discovered in this region at a 
capacity that can be reasonably financially developed, we're going to see pretty substantial mining operations out there. Thurston also spoke during public comment for this application. Klondike Basin is a really special place in San Miguel County, and I'm just heartsick over the thought that it will be so industrialized. The BOCC unanimously approved both special use permits for the two exploratory drilling projects. Both are conditional on approval also coming from the federal and state levels. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Tis the season for lacrosse and soccer. This week on A Day in the Life of a Miner, Telluride High School's Finton Cole brings the latest. Have a listen. This is Finton Cole in your sports update. My varsity lacrosse team somewhat put up a good fight against the Vail Mountain Rangers, but sadly lost by a score of 5-2. My team kept dropping the ball, and the other team kept picking it up. I might have to be the goalie for the Frida and Glenwood games until the other goalies get back from spring break. A critical player, Lucas Betts, was also gone. Girls Varsity Lacrosse won against the Steamboat Springs Sailors 7-1, but they lost against the Frida Monument Wildcats 10-3. They are 3-2 overall and second in their league. Girls Varsity Soccer won against the Ridgeway Demons 2-0 and the Crested Butte Titans 5-0. They are 3-3 three and three overall and first in their league. That was short and unfortunate for the lacrosse teams, but we hope things can get better from here. I'm Fenton Cole reporting live from Terrad High School, and we'll see you after spring break. April is National Poetry Month. What better way to kick off the celebration than with the Talking Gourds Poetry Club's monthly Bardic Trails virtual poetry session. April's meeting will feature Jeanette Daniello, the author of The Song of Our Disappearing, a winner of the Paper Nautilus 2020 debut series chapbook contest. Originally from Queens, New York, she teaches at Cerritos College and lives in Long Beach, California. Daniello will read some of her work, followed by Q&A. There will also be time afterwards for poetry sharing from attendees. The April Bardic Trails event will be Tuesday, April 5th from 7 to 8 p.m. on Zoom. Registration and more information is available at telluridelibrary.org. A highly contagious strain of avian flu has been discovered in wild birds in Colorado. The birds were collected by Colorado Parks and Wildlife on March 17th, and laboratories confirmed the presence of the avian flu last week. It's the state's first ever case of avian flu. It was discovered in wild snow and Ross geese at Jumbo Reservoir in Sedgwick County. Colorado State Veterinarian Maggie Baldwin says with outbreaks in the Midwest and Northeast United States, she's not surprised the disease has popped up in Colorado. She warns poultry farmers of the importance of biosecurity. She also says while the state is currently focused on preventing outbreaks in commercial farms, they're also preparing to respond if an outbreak does occur. Colorado's top water agency is pausing investigations into demand management, a program that would pay people to use less water and send it to Lake Powell for storage. 
Amy Ostick is with the Colorado Water Conservation Board. Demand management is a limited tool that would serve a limited purpose and has a lot of constraints on it. A big motivation for our board is, is where can they be proactive now? What things can they do, can the state do that are not reliant on other states that are not dependent on uh, you know, storing water in Lake Powell. Austic says Colorado is waiting to hear more from neighboring states in the Upper Basin, since a demand management program would require agreement from all four. Ongoing drought is forcing water managers to conserve within states and across the Colorado River Basin. There were loud calls for gun reform in Colorado after the mass shooting at a Boulder supermarket last year. Lawmakers delivered on some of those requests, but other new laws are still in the works a year after the shooting. KOTO Scott Franz has more on the city's ongoing recovery from the tragedy, as well as some new efforts, launching this year to tackle gun violence. When we are lost and sick at heart, we remember them. Dozens of people gathered in a small park in downtown Boulder last week to listen to the tributes to the victims. The signs and posters demanding bans on assault weapons that residents displayed in the first days after the shooting were gone. Instead, Governor Jared Polis talked about Boulder's resiliency, and County Commissioner Claire Levy was the only speaker to mention gun control. We will not allow our community to be so awash with guns that in a moment of heated passion or despair, the unthinkable happens that cannot be undone. The fence around the supermarket has come down and shoppers are returning, but the shock of the shooting still has not faded from this city at the edge of the Flatirons, and neither has the resolve from some lawmakers to stop another one. Last year, they passed three bills in response. One is preventing people who commit assaults and other misdemeanors from buying guns. Another will soon let Boulder and other cities pass tougher gun laws than the state has in place. We are planning to readopt our assault weapons ban that was struck down some seven to ten days prior to the mass shooting in, in sort of a, an extra tragic twist of fate. Rachel Friend serves on the city council. We're looking at open carry and ghost guns and waiting periods. And, and carrying in sensitive areas such as museums and, and city buildings and places like that. Friend says they are also looking to work regionally. The state government still hasn't gone far enough to address gun violence after several mass shootings in the state, she says. So Boulder is recruiting other cities and towns along the Front Range to join its effort. Friend says the Boulder Council and other cities are likely to pass an assault weapons ban as soon as this summer. There's a lot of holes if we're not acting regionally. The state also is busy rolling out a third law that was passed in response to the shooting. The state health department is hiring workers to run the brand new Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Dr. Eric France is Colorado's chief medical officer. When he's not busy helping guide the state through the pandemic, He's been getting the new office up and running. And my desire as a gun owner, hunter, and public health specialist is to be sure that we can talk to all people of Colorado to reduce gun violence. Dr. France says the office is interviewing finalists for its first director. It is also opening with about $3 million to spend on public education campaigns and other initiatives. We'll provide some funds to uh, communities where there have been a cycle of violence and um, help them in think through what are the right 
evidence-informed interventions that might work, and what can we learn from those? France says another top priority is to publicize the state's red flag law, which allows judges to temporarily take guns away from people who pose a risk to others. Senate President Steve Finberg, a Boulder Democrat, led the legislature's response to the shooting last year. He says the new Gun Violence Prevention Office will likely be the most impactful thing the state will do in response to the shooting. This is a bill that is actually charged with thinking about gun violence as a public health concern. And in a state where some lawmakers have lost their jobs for supporting gun control measures like banning high-capacity magazines, Finberg says he's starting to sense a shift toward embracing new restrictions. As proof, he points to the relative lack of debate over a bill he and other Democrats passed recently to ban guns at polling places. I, I think people recognize that there are places where People should feel safe, and some people don't feel safe when they're exposed, you know, carrying of firearms. Finberg says a mental health spending package worth about $600 million that is advancing this session will also help reduce gun violence. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 25 degrees. Two to four inches of snow accumulation is possible. Friday, there's a chance of snow showers in the morning with clearing skies and a high in the mid-40s. Friday night should be mostly clear with a low in the mid-20s. Saturday, expect mostly sunny skies with a high around 50 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Saturday night should be partly cloudy with a low around freezing. This has been the news for Thursday, March 31st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.